Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, winter housing of cattle and an exciting new book from Seamus O'Dowd, formerly of Chagask, A Century of Sustainable Irish Agriculture. But first, details of an upcoming Nuffield Scholarship event. Pat Collins, 2022 Nuffield Scholar and full-time beef and tillage farmer from Castle Martyr. Welcome, Pat. Hi, John. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, next week is the Nuffield Conference um, on Friday next week, the 10th of November. It's on in Mount Woolsey Hotel and they have a very nice prize for um, the best returning scholar. Their presentation um, is in memory of the late Parik Walsh, who was one of the first Nuffield scholars in Ireland. Uh, so that's uh, uh, going to add, add a lot to the day. That's very interesting indeed. And you might please tell our listeners how they can find out more about this very important event taking place on Friday, 10th of November, where they can find out about the Nuffield Ireland Annual Conference. Yeah, well, on any of the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, etc., um, if you look up Nuffield Ireland or on the Nuffield Ireland website, You'll get all the details you want there and you can purchase your tickets on the North, Northfield Ireland website as well. Typically, the, the conference does tend to be sold out. Um, they usually tend to have uh, about 150 or 200 people in or about. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, ie I think, is the website. Or if you Google Northfield Ireland, it'll come up anyway. Possibly better book your tickets sooner rather than later in case they're sold out. Pat, you might please tell our listeners something about your own farming operation and when you took part in the Nuffield Scholarship and, uh, you know, something about the great benefits of the scholarship, all the travel and opportunities uh, you uh, availed of. But first of all, a word or two about your own operation. Yeah, so I'm farming in East Cork and Castle with my father, Matt. We're in partnership. Um, we're a uh, crop and beef farm um, all dairy dairy beef stock um, we're growing wide varieties of crops uh, everything from rape uh, oilseed rape, maize, beef um, barley for malting, wheat oats, uh, we grow the majority of combined volatility crops um, and our business over the last probably four or five years has been swaying towards uh, more conservation type farming um, and all of the our inputs for the cattle, all of our feedstuffs for the cattle are grown on farm. We don't buy in anything. Uh, the only thing we buy in is uh, calf nuts. Um, everything else is grown on farm, so we're sort of aiming for a low carbon footprint um, and just uh, Irish-grown grains typically tend to be of the highest quality, so we're capitalising on the fact that we have them at first cost as well. So sustainability, that's one of the key words, uh, I would imagine, with, with your operation, sustainability and uh, supporting Irish uh, produce. Yeah, absolutely. Look, sustainability, there's three parts, sustainability, profitability, environment and social um when we do something, we, we hope that it 
uh, it's a positive for all the all the three pillars of sustainability. Um, we don't typically tend to do things that are, are detrimental to one or the other. So, yeah, look, sustainability is the new buzzword, but it's it's something that if you work into your business, we found hugely improves our business. And yeah, um, look, where East Cork is a great place to grow crops. Um, we can get fairly good yields. So. Um, why would we look anywhere else for inputs for our cattle when we have it all on our doorstep? Of course, this year the weather has not helped uh, tillage farmers. The weather has made it extremely difficult uh, for people to harvest uh, crops. But nonetheless, where at all possible you will support Irish native grain, like indeed our sponsor, long-term sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, always support Irish grain and buy Irish grain whenever it's available. Yeah, uh, definitely, a hundred percent. We deal a lot with Dairy Gold. I, I've always been, I've always believed that Dairy Gold are great supporters of tillage industry in um, in Cork and in Ireland, um, especially Munster. Um, and yeah, they're a great company to deal with. And indeed, we could say that uh, the theme for this year's the very first. Uh, Padraig Walsh inaugural award would be finding common ground because it's amazing you can get anti-dairy, anti-meat um, propaganda from one side and pro-lobbying, uh, but finding common ground. You might say a word or two about finding common ground between consumers and the farming community and not to denigrate or criticise highly nutritious foods. Consumers need producers and producers need consumers. It's it's a circular economy. That's that's the way things are moving now. It's we all need each other for the whole thing to work. Um, I think uh, within Cork and Munster and in more the regional areas, there is a there is an understanding um, of how food is produced. And um, I think the the big corporations, uh, the big producers, go a long way to promoting farming. And look, that's good to keep it up. Uh, all farming sectors depend on each other. So the dairy depends on, on tillage farming and likewise uh, vice versa. So look, we're, we're all farming on a relatively small scale in terms of uh, global. So we definitely need to remember who our neighbours are and look. Uh, Nuffield Ireland's website, www.nuffieldireland.ie or on any of the social media channels, uh, Nuffield Ireland are on them. Thank you very much indeed, Pat. Mr Pat Collins, Castle Martyr-based beef and tillage farmer. You'll be talking about the benefits of integrating dairy beef and crop production, and the overall theme of the conference will be finding common ground. Patrick, thank you very much indeed, Pat, for your valuable time. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. And a final reminder, on Friday 10th of November, Pat Collins from Castlemarch, County Cork, will present his research on, quote, the benefits of integrating dairy beef and crop production at the Nuffield Ireland Annual Conference in Mount Woosley Hotel in Toro County Carlo. And this very important conference will feature a new award in honour of the late great agri-leader and Nuffield scholar Padraig Walsh, who passed away last February. Details regarding the Nuffield Scholarships available on the following website, www.nuffield.ie, all lowercase. 
Joining us on the farm program, Miss Anna Sexton, Business and Technology Dry Stock Advisor with the Chagas Advisory Services, Coronet Skibbereen in the best of the county. First of all, Anna, welcome to the program. Now, as regards winter housing requirements, due to the prolonged period of severe weather conditions, the majority of the stock would now be housed. Is it important for farmers to focus on how best to manage cattle, would you say? Yeah, John, I suppose housing is a very costly time on farms and weight gains over the winter can greatly impact livestock performance. Having a plan is essential to make sure that housing is as stress-free as possible and that performance is optimised over the winter months. What do farmers need to consider regarding their housing facilities coming into the winter housing period, Anna? Okay, they need to have a look to see if their sheds are ready. They, They need to assess the housing on the farm. And they need to, some of them may need to make adjustments like modifying side sheeting of sheds um, to allow extra air to circulate in the sheds and in, make sure that the ventilation in the sheds is adequate so that um, viruses and bacteria do, do not survive uh, well in the fresh air that's entering the shed. Um, ensuring good quality air reduces the likelihood of infections whilst maintaining drafts to minimum in the shed. Um, overcrowding can lead to reduction in animal performance and high levels of moisture allow pathogens spread and survive, especially in the air and the bedding. Um, if straw beds, bedded pins are gently sloped, it will reduce the amount of moisture in the bedded area. And there are guidelines, floor spaces, um, they're available um, per, per animal group. So young cattle should be um, should get probably 0.9 to 1.1 square metres. Finishing cattle, 1.4 to 1.7 square metres. Suckler cows and calves, 2.3 to 2.75 square metres. And just to ensure that all the gates, um, the calving gates, the feed barriers and electrics and yard lights are fit for purpose on the, on the farm. Now, how is stress reduced at housing time? So for most suckler farmers, the housing, the housing period is a, quite a stressful time, and it, but it's an ideal time to wean suckler cows from their calves, especially um, in spring-born herds. Um, at weaning time, calves are more prone to disease infections as their immunity is uh, suppressed due to the stress of housing and weaning, and it's best to wean the suckler cows from their calves whilst they're outdoors and over a gradual period of time. Um, so meal feeding of the calves four weeks before weaning and two weeks after weaning um, reduces stress and it, this forms part of the new National Beef Welfare Programme. So the use of a creep wire is a one way of breaking the bond and ensure the calves can see and hear their dams and castration and debudding should be avoided in the lead up to housing as these practices can also cause stress. Now how can farmers ensure that animals are getting adequate feed over these winter months? to ensure that stock have adequate feed space in the shed. So to get more live weight gain from cattle over the winter, it's advisable to group animals in accordance with weight. So uh, group animals of similar weight together, and it'll this will uh, prevent competition at the feed phase between larger and lighter animals, and significant gains are made where animals of a similar size and weight are grouped together. Um, it's important um, where calf, heifers are calving at two years old, as it allows Smaller cows and calves get preferential treatment when they're grouped together rather than being grouped with older cows. Um, so the, there's a recommended feed space allowance for the different groups of animals. Again, um, sucker cows are 500 millimetre to 700 millimetre. And uh, for finishing cattle, that is 500 
500 kg to 750 kg, that's 600 millimetre to 700 millimetre. Um, the slatted floor allowance for suckler cows is 2.5 to 3 square metres. And for finishing cattle, that's um, 2.2 to 2.7 square metres. And again, there's a different allowance for straw bedding, so they need more space in the straw bedded shed. So a suckler cow needs 5 square metres, whereas a finishing animal is 4 square metres. And in the spring calving enterprise, dry cows should be grouped on the basis of body condition score, um, which allows intakes to be monitored and to reduce the incidences of difficult calving. And cattle should also have access to fresh, clean water in the shed. Coming to silage quality, how important is silage quality over the winter housing period? Before housing, it may be worth assessing the silage quality and quantity available on the farm. Um, there's improved live weight gains on farms, lower concentrate feed costs, better fertility and overall better performance and profitability as a result of having better quality silage on the farm. The higher the DMD of the silage, the less concentrates are used to optimise performance and silages at a DMD less than 68 will not deliver adequate baseline growth. Now, coming to the cost of giving good quality silage, then supplementing with additional concentrates, is there a saving? And if so, how much would you say, Anna? Okay, so if farmers are targeting a weight gain of 1 kg per day for finished animals um, of live weight gain, seven, at 7 kgs of concentrate are needed with a 66 DMD silage. With a 74 DMD silage, that is reduced to 4 kgs of concentrates. So, th- so there's a saving there. Um, based on the amount that they're feeding, and it's a saving of 102 euros a head for concentrate costing 340 euros a ton over a 100-day finishing period. Um, the silage quality will determine the amount of concentrate feed fed to maximise performance over the winter. Um, getting the silage tested is a must on every farm, as it is the most valuable form of feed on farms. And knowing the dry matter content, the pH, the crude protein levels, and the digestibility of the silage can help farmers make well-informed decisions regarding winter feed. So, coming to animal health protocols, what animal health protocols are advisable prior to housing of cattle? So, parasites are there at are present at pasture and don't survive in silage and other forages. So, when animals are housed, the risk of infection is low. So, I suppose before animals come into the shed, it's advisable to do to dose the weanlings for lungworms using an ivermectin three weeks before housing. And this allows um, the product to clean out their lungs and allows the lungs time to heal before housing. Um, dosing to weight calculations ensure the correct amount of dose is used, ensuring that the dosing gun is c- calibrated correctly also. For worms, it's best to use products that target adult and the inhibited larvae of stomach worms. And for lice, it's best to apply an externally applied product, e.g. a poron, and to keep treated cattle separate from non-treated cattle. It's also important to clip the back and each side of the spine of the animal to get the best results from a poron. Vaccinating prior to housing or weaning. So vaccinating helps protect livestock from respiratory disease. Um, some viruses such as IBR cause significant lung damage and reduce an animal's resistance to secondary infection. So vaccinating all cattle for bovine respiratory diseases at least two weeks before housing to give vaccines time to work. Vaccinations can take anything from five to five days to six weeks to become effective, so it's important to plan the proposed housing and weaning date prior to vaccinating. Poor health can impact growth rates and efficiencies on farms, while also increasing feed costs, finishing times and reducing sale weights.
Now, what is the best practice when silage testing? So, um, in if farmers wish to silage test, um, samples should be taken earlier in the week to avoid deterioration of the sample. If sampling a pit, use a long core silage sampler to sample three to five well-spaced points in various areas on the surface of the pit. Take different samples for first cut, second cut, if they're layered up on top of each other in a pit and discard the top 100 millimetre of each core before mixing the sample, which should weigh about 500 grams. Um, alternatively, you can sample an open pit and take tin samples in a W-shaped pattern across the pit face be- behind the outer surface of the pit. And for sampling bales, sample three to four bales per cut, tape up the sample holes to avoid spoilage or grab random hand samples throughout the bales when they're freshly opened. The samples should be put into a Ziploc bag, expel the air, and seal and post immediately. Could you uh, summarise, Anna, on what we've been saying there? I suppose it's a good time to put a plan in place to keep stock healthy throughout the winter by minimising stress and ensuring they are offered good quality feed and appropriate vaccination and dosing programme is in place. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Anna Sexton, Business and Technology Dry Stock Advisor with Chagas Advisory Services, Coronet Skibbereen in the West County. Anna, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Mr. Seamus O'Dowd, formerly of Chagas. I believe, Seamus, you retired from Chagas back in 2015. You might please remind our listeners something about your own career in Chagas and its predecessor and indeed your involvement in studies. We are basically trying to talk about the book you've just published, A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture and Developments in Agricultural Science. Just a word or two about your own agricultural career and indeed what you've tried to do in your new book, A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture. Thank you, John. I graduated from UCD in general agriculture in 1976 and I think the first job I had after graduation, I worked with an aerial spraying company at that time. We were spreading fertilizer on uh, cereal crops and on forestry. We were also doing fungicidal spraying for cereals in the, in the Linster area. I joined Clannis Lee Peak Co-op in 1978, and I spent four years there as an advisor to about 35 to 40 wiener producers that were supplying pigs to the co-op. In 1982, I joined ACOT and I was moved to Donegal. I worked as a general advisor in Cardona in the Inishon Peninsula. And at that time, ACOT was specialising. So I was transferred to Dunmanway in West Cork to cover West Cork and carry on pigs. I spent 13 years uh, as a pig advisor in that area. And in 1997, I transferred into a dairy advisory position in Clannacilty, well, I spent 18 years, and I retired in 2015. From retirement in 2015 to 2020, I did a lot of uh, alternative work, renovations of houses and that. COVID arrived. 2020, I was confined to base, so dock upon my time, I decided I might do a bit of writing. And that's where, that was one of the reasons for the, for the book. The topics, I suppose, I, I had covered a, a broad spec spread of enterprises, so I decided many books deal with one specific topic, whether it would be daring, tillage, or beef production. I decided I'd do a broad sweep. So I felt maybe a broad sweep would be of interest to people that maybe wanted a, a broad view of how agriculture developed over the last 
maybe 100 years. And it might be of particular interest to students of agriculture to see how we've got to where we are today. So it started with soils, and I worked soils at the base of all agricultural production. So we looked at crops. I went from crops to animals because crops are consumed either by animals or humans. I went, looked at animal nutrition, knew nothing really about human nutrition. So it developed from there. I went on to the enterprises that are involved in agriculture, looked at buildings, machinery, economics. And I suppose towards the end, I looked at the careers of for farms, how farm development went on over the last hundred years. Now, Seamus, right at the start of your book, your magnificent book, amazing book, all those photographs, illustrations and data and all the charts, etc., showing the progress of Irish agriculture, but right at the start of your publication, and we're talking about the book called A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture, Developments in Agricultural Science, and that you know, sustainability seems to be in many respects, people would think of sustainability as something linked to climate change, a, a modern fad or a modern fashion. But in fact, you're talking about sustainability in Irish agriculture for a century. Right at the start of your book, you have a quotation. You might tell us the significance of this. It shows the simplicity of Irish farming at that time. One more cow, one more sow, and one more acre under the plough. Now, to whom is that attributable? Our first minister for agriculture, when the New state was formed, Minister Hogan. And really, I thought it, it, it summarizes the, the career of an agricultural advisor because really, over my time, basically what we were trying to do was increase the output, increase the efficiency, and increase the income for farms so that farms could sustain, be sustained from one generation to the next. That was central, I think, to the, to the thought originally when the, when the state was established. And that was one more cow, one more sow, one more acre under the plough, Minister of Agriculture Patrick Hogan, back in 1932, the first uh, Irish Minister of Agriculture, Food and the Marines, as it were, in the new Irish state, the free state, as it was called by some people, official title, Irish Free State. And, of course, when we talk about um, going back to 32, we can go back further still to a time when 4,000 ships are recorded officially as having left Irish ports at the height of the 1847 famine, Black 47, full of uh, food, while at least 400,000 Irish people were starving. You covered that uh, briefly, but you do record, you know, in terms of sustainability and uh, food availability, you cover that very interesting and tragic historical point. Yes, I suppose one of the greatest changes that has occurred in agriculture over that time really has is the, the, the area of, of potatoes that are actually grown in the country. I mean, at that time, uh, the Irish population were very dependent on, on potatoes uh, uh, as the stable diet. And in 1845, I think the, the, there was and 30,000 hectares of potatoes grown in the country. Now, that, that was probably the, the 32 counties. But if we look today in the Republic of Ireland, we're, we're growing less than 9,000 hectares of potatoes, which is just around 1% of what was actually grown in, in, in the, the prior to the famine. 
and we're even importing a certain variety of potatoes grown in Cambridgeshire region in England. Those potatoes, they're known as chipping potatoes, and whereas in Ireland now there are some farmers, a group of farmers, Meadow Fresh Group, they're trying to produce as much of this chipping potatoes, the kind of potatoes used in chippers in Ireland, to yeah. cut back on British imports. So quite amazingly to see the decrease in area under um, potatoes in Ireland compared to back way back there in 1845. We've lost so much uh, acreage under potatoes. It definitely is a loss because when we can grow a crop of potatoes and we have the climate to grow it and we have the soils to grow them, it's important to, to make sure that w- w- we should be self-sufficient, really. We want to be self-sufficient, but we don't want to be in principle against uh, importation of any type of foodstuff or any item. But ideally, we should be able to substitute uh, certain types of imports, particularly food, by food grown in Ireland. You know, we don't want in principle to be against imports because we rely so much on export of a huge proportion of the beef uh, we grow and other goods. So on balance, we should, it's reasonable to be, looking at potatoes in particular and saying, look, why are we importing so many potatoes? Yeah, and I suppose it's, it's back to maybe the, um, the balance, you know, the, from, from a tillage point of view, there was a time, you say, in 1944, we, we, we had 1.1 million hectares in tillage. That was down to trying to provide security for food uh, after the Second World War, and uh, we're, we've dropped from 1.1 million hectares down to about uh, 360,000 hectares. You know, we're now only growing 8% tillage versus maybe 21 or 22% uh, the, uh, at the end of the Second World War. Turning to local matters in County Cork, in West Cork in particular, there is a very interesting illustration on page 238 of your publication entitled A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture. But there's an illustration of a water monitoring laboratory, Timelig. So the famous uh, Timelig water monitoring piece of equipment, the, the lab there, you know, against the background of the raging debate over whether some farmers in Cork should lose the 250 kg derogation and be brought back to 220 or even further back, if we're not careful, to 170. So, very interesting. You've got a photograph on page 238. You might say a word or two about that ACP in League. Yes. Well, I suppose at present there are a lot of resources being put in by Chagas and uh, by the, the cooperatives uh, and other stakeholders in agriculture in, in, in we we'll say, uh, uh, reducing water pollution. And uh, a lot of work has been done, actually, in the Timali catchment area there, where they have been successful in, uh, in, in the advice that has been given to the farmers in that particular catchment, where they have recorded a reduction in the amount of nitrogen that is actually uh, percolating through the soil and getting into the water courses. So that the... the, the they are. They have proved that the nitrates can be reduced. I suppose there are six different catchments being worked on, and I think one of the one of the uh, messages that has come from that research is that 
there is a different program maybe required for different areas, depending on whether they're tillage areas or grassland areas or maybe areas with poor drainage. The six catchment areas are giving a different answer. But Timelig at this point has been very successful. And indeed, some people would say that the spreading of slurry in winter is one of the causes of nitrates in the water. You know, when there's no vegetation to take up the nitrates, well then, it means that goes into the water. So, the avoidance of spreading slurry in winter, that could be a very important factor. Yes, I suppose the most important thing is that uh, you're getting most of the nitrogen leaching during the winter period when your grass or your, your crop is not growing. And really, the, the, the importance of applying the slurry or applying the fertilizers at the time that the crop is taking it up, that's more or less the central element in reducing nitrate leaching. Uh, the nitrate derogation re- regulations that came in in, in Ireland in 2006 and from that particular time uh, all the farmers that, that have had to apply for derogation, those that exceeded 170 kilos of nitrogen per hectare per annum or those that were stocked maybe at uh, a rate above two livestock units per hectare they, they have had to control the amount of phosphorus and the amount of nitrogen and the amount of slurry that have gone onto their land. So those limits have been in there since 2006. So that's 17 years, you know. So uh, it has it, it, it must have made a, a major difference to, we'll say, uh, water quality. For people who hear a lot about AD, anaerobic digestion, and perhaps they mightn't fully understand the significance of AD, anaerobic digestion. On page 249, there's an illustration of an AD, anaerobic digestion plant. You might say a few words about that uh, AD plant which is illustrated and uh, the process described in your book. Well, uh, uh, there has been a lot of emphasis put on, we'll say, biogas production. And really, if we want to reduce, we say, our dependence on fossil fuels, there is a vast potential to to uh, set up biogas production around the country. And I say we are lagging well behind, we'll say, our counterparts in the UK or in, or in, in, in Europe when it comes to the development of, of these production plants. I can see that there will be problems with establishing them because there is a lot of resistance within, we'll say, uh, people that uh, are objecting to maybe the establishment of bioproduction in in areas. And I think maybe the general population will have to be educated to the fact that there is a very clean form of uh, gas production. You know that uh, the the um, there's a, a reduction in in this order, and uh, in in a lot of cases there is a plan set up for the disposal of the effluent um, or the discharges from uh, after the gas has been removed. So I think there has to be 
a lot of uh, education for general population with regard to biogas production. We are suffering adverse effects from heavy rainfall at the moment, but uh, rainfall uh, in, uh, is, is to our advantage, especially when it comes to grass production. And, uh, you know, there are countries that are with, uh, producing milk or, or beef, and uh, they are going to come under pressure because of a drier climate. So I, I, I see in, on, on a sense like that uh, from a food security point of view, and I mean, the EEC was set up to secure food way back in the, after the Second World War. We're, we're, we're told that that's going to be an increase in the population right up until 2050 at least. So that there's going to be demand for even more food. So I would see that Ireland would be in, in a very good position to produce food. And I think we have fantastic uh, potential there when it comes to grass production because um, Tavis estimates that we're only producing maybe about seven tonnes of dry matter per hectare and we have the potential to produce up to 10 tonnes. So if that is produced, then that that Grass has to go into animals. Animals over the winter time will have to be fed concentrates to balance for for the um, forage over the winter. So I think that there could be a unique balance there between tillage farmers and uh, grassland farmers right into the future. So it's not fanciful to talk about Ireland as being the food island. That 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 is true, and I think we should exploit that to to our limit. You know. Speaking to Mr. Seamus O'Dowd, formerly of Chagask, a long career in Chagask and Chagask, its predecessor, etc. The title of your book and where it's obtainable. Well, the title of the book is A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture. And really what I was, uh, I, I, I have tried to do was look at the developments in, in agricultural science down through the, the, the last century. And uh, the book is available in in, in Bookshops in all the rural towns in, in, in Cork, or in most of them in any case. And for those that go on online, uh, the book is available from kenny's.ie uh, in, in Galway. That's excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Seamus O'Dowd, formerly of Chagask, and author of A Century of Sustainability in Irish Agriculture, chock full of fascinating information and hundreds and hundreds of uh, beautiful pictures and extremely important and detailed charts. Thank you very much indeed, Seamus. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gould Farm Talk programme, Miss Bernadette O'Connor, Project Coordinator, Farm Family CPD, connected uh, to a farm safety training course we want to talk more about. First of all, Bernadette, welcome to the programme. Could I ask you, please, to clarify what exactly Farm Family CPD stands for? What's, uh, what does that stand for? Hello, uh, John, and, and thank you. Uh, and hello to, to your listeners there. Uh, delighted to have the opportunity to talk about Farm Family CPD. First of all, Farm Family CPD, what, what it is, it's online farm safety training. The CPD is what it means, what it stands for, it's continuous professional development. And CPD is uh, a feature of many workplaces in Ireland and even around the world. 
And I suppose the whole idea behind it is where people continuously strive to improve standards by engaging in learning and training to enhance their skills. And it's no different from from farmers, for farmers either. So as I said, um, Farm Family CPD is really online farm safety training for Irish farm families. That sounds fine. Now, for listeners who would like to learn more about um, farm safety, especially farm families, could you please give our listeners a telephone number or a website? It's actually uh, very easy. There are kind of three simple steps in order to access this training. And it's worth saying as well to your listeners that the training is is free of charge uh, because we are very grateful to the funding we've had uh, from the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine uh, to develop the training under the EIP initiative, which is European Innovation Partnership. And we are supported on the project by our partners, the Health and Safety Authority, the IFA, Chagas, FCD and the FRS Network. So what, what you've got to do is just go online, go on www.farm familycpd.ie. You can register your interest in the training there and within 24 hours we'll send you log-on details to access the training and then you, you can take, take the training at your own time. And that's, I suppose, the beauty of the online platform. Um, traditionally, farmers would have to go into a classroom and maybe sit for a morning or an afternoon or, or a full day Whereas this, you can sit down at your, your kitchen table with your family members and you can take the training uh, in, at your own pace and in, in your own time. You can also do it if you're out and about and take out your phone and, and access the training once you have registered and have your logon details or if you are using a tablet, certainly. So again, one of the many advantages of the online platform. And I suppose, you know, I think as well... Uh, Farmers have a lot of training to, to, to do these days. And probably if, if they say, oh, uh, this is a, just another training course. Well, I think if you go online and register and get the courses and participate, your listeners would be pleasantly su- surprised. Because in the design and the making of the, this, farmers, farm families are at the core of the initiative. So to actually pr- produce the content we went out onto farms, a farm in County Clare, uh, in County Limerick, and in County Offaly. So in the content then of the course, actually, you'll be listening to farmers talking about their very practical approach to, to farm safety. And I think that, that makes it a little bit unique. Um, the courses consist then of, of units with video content and interactive, engaging activities to be, be completed throughout and participants have the opportunity to, to give their feedback. So, you know, it's, it's a nice opportunity and I suppose the whole, the whole aim of the project and initiative is to see all generations kind of learning together and influencing each other to develop a better farm safety culture. And with that, there, as I said, I think earlier on, there is training for everyone over 12 years of age. So if I may, I'll, I'll just outline the courses we have. Um, there is running a, a safer farm for farm principals, who is the main person who 
business of farming is keeping yourself safe for over 65, keeping yourself safe for 12 to 16-year-olds, and then keeping yourself safe for employees or family members who are not necessarily paid. And then there's a general course, essential safety for everybody. It's managing dangers with livestock, machinery and buildings. And in that, that course, we follow the pathway of different farmers around the country as they engage with the dangers associated with livestock, machinery and buildings in their day-to-day farming life. Bernadette, as you know, farming is a very, very isolated occupation and uh, some farmers of a certain age, when they hear online, when they hear online, they just shut down and say, that's not for me. So this is online, it's uh, totally online and it's not um, available in one of those meetings like the old days where you went along to a meeting and you saw um, videos. This is totally online. It is uh, totally online, and and I appreciate uh, what you're saying. And I suppose that's where all the generations in the farm uh, come into play. Because if you've got, got somebody in the older age group who's, who's not so familiar with technology, maybe they, the younger generation in the 12 to 16 year age group can, can assist their, their grandparents we will say for for example and actually get them to to engage in the training um so the, I would find and in in the research to to this project and initiative we spoke to many different farmers in different age groups and you'd be surprised at the number of people in in the, the over 65 age group who are actually quite tech savvy and I suppose um, through COVID and, and shutdown and lockdown, uh, things changed and I think people became more more familiar with the online platform. Who's actually funding this? The funding is from the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine under the EIP initiative, which is the European Innovation Partnership. And it was the whole idea of that funding is to create an, an innovative program. We're also supported by our partners on this, Farm Families, the HSA, Health and Safety Authority, Chagas, ISA and SPD and the FRS Network. Speaking to Miss Bernadette O'Connor, Project Coordinator, Farm Family CPD. And Bernadette, please give us the website and your own number if possible. Website is www.farmfamilycpd.com. I can also give you my own phone number uh, and you'll get me directly on this. It's 086-127-8188. Thank you very much indeed, Ms. Bernadette O'Connor, Project Coordinator, Farm Family CPD, and that's uh, connected with FRS and various other important bodies. Thank you very much indeed, Bernadette. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. You're very welcome. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.